Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Ooh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller? I traded in my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welcome to Creature Feature, production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Many Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today on the show, dogs. Dogs are good. From rare dog hybrids to dogs saving the world. Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question... Who's your good radioactive boy? Who's your good radioactive boy? <laughs> Joining me today is friend of the show, dog appreciator, and host of the podcast Yo Is This Racist, Andrew T. Welcome. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good. Who, um, who let the dogs out? It was me. I just we just walked. Wow. I just took the, the, my dog out, and now she's back. Yeah, man. I remember that song. That was such. A, that was such a song. Such is the perfect song. It was the perfect song. We we <laughs> hit, we reached peak musicality with that song, and we've never flown so close to the sun before, or since. I, only, I found out recently that the the band behind Who Let the Dogs Out, um, let's see, that song came out in two thousand. They had been a band for like over a decade, I believe, before that song came out. Wow, you know, yeah. sometimes it takes it takes a never while. Never give up. Never give oh my up. God. 20 years. They've been a band for over 20 years. Sometimes it takes 20 years to get reach that perfect peak song about letting so dogs good. out. Never forget. And asking why. Did we ever find out who did it, though? Because, like, uh, that was the main question. And I don't know if that's ever been answered. Did they do a follow-up song of, well, turns out it was Steve. Let's see. Uh, I'm going to guess... Who let the dog in? <laughs> um, they had to have, right? Who? Yeah. No. No, they never they answered the question. On. Wow. Yeah. Well, at least the albums are not dog. Like subsequent to Who Let the Dogs Out, the rest of the albums and song titles do not appear to be more dog stuff. Yeah. It's just they just which is which makes sense because they're they're artists. This is just one and one in Who Let the Dogs Out was their this is Baja Man, by the way. One, two, mm. three, four, five, six, seven, eighth album. <laughs> <laughs> it's dog Never, dog lightning just, in a bottle, I guess. Yeah. Fucking just just keep at it. Yeah. If you don't don't succeed, just try seven more albums. Yes, exactly. Well and then you will succeed. Yeah, no. That's I, a promise. It's a promise. Uh you can <laughs> sue Andrew if you don't succeed after that amount of time so yeah. speaking of lightning in a bottle 
we are talking about something that is a very rare event, and it is super weird. It is the first ever fox-dog hybrid, which seems to have been discovered in Brazil. So they are calling her Dogsim. I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly. She's apparently a crossbreed of domesticated dog and wild pampas fox called, again, I apologize. I'm going to say this bad and wrong. Grasame do Campo in Portuguese. So uh, she was found in Vicaria in Rio Grande do Sul State uh, after being hit by a car. She was she was alive. She was taken to the vet where they thought, okay, she looks kind of weird for a dog and she's definitely not a fox, but she's not acting like a dog in terms of her behavior. She doesn't look like a dog. So researchers from the Federal University of Pelotas and the Federal University of Rio Grande do Sul uh, conducted genetic tests and they found this link to the pampas fox, which is nuts. That's so wild. Is it? Okay. Is, is this a thing where it's like definitely clear that this is a hybrid or is it that sort of thing where um like uh because i I have a you know i and i i'm sure these companies make all kinds of ludicrous claims but like you know people that get 23 and me and they're like we you have this much neanderthal dna or whatever like you know like that sort of yeah like that like far back of yeah yeah no, no. So, I mean, first of all, the 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 Pampas fox would not at all be like a dog ancestor or vice versa, which is why mm. this is so strange. But yeah, in terms of it being a hybrid, the investigation into its DNA does seem to indicate that it's a recent hybrid. So uh, this dog sim, uh, which is, I guess they just named this uh, gal dog sim. <laughs> Uh, and she has 76 chromosomes instead of 78, like typical dogs. And her mitochondrial DNA seems to be pampas fox, which would mean her mother mm. was a pampas fox. And found in her, uh, they found in her nuclear DNA a mixture of dog and pampas fox genes, which means that her father was likely a domesticated dog. Uh, so, you know, she was treated for her wounds. They did these blood tests on her and she was taken to a wildlife preserve. Uh, so it's, it, it is, this is a very rare thing. It's not like there's a bunch of dog pampas fox hybrids walking around. Right. <laughs> now, uh, this occurred in 2021 and sadly in March of 2023, she died of unknown causes uh, there's actually an investigation into her death, but I think that the most likely thing is that when you have a really rare hybrid, uh, the that genetic mix can cause a lot of like genetic diseases, problems. So there was probably some underlying health issue that she had that she probably naturally died of. Um, but if this analysis is correct, and this is truly a dog pampas fox hybrid, it is really, really remarkable. This is like a much bigger deal than uh, like a dog wolf hybrid or a zebra horse hybrid, which are both, you know, real hybrids that happen. Uh, a domesticated dog and a pampas fox are in the same family, but ancestors of the dog and the pampas fox diverged at least six million years ago into two separate groups. So dogs, like our domesticated dogs, like your dog Peanut and my dog Cookie, mm -hmm. uh, are in the genus Canis. And pampas foxes are in this genus that's called Lycaloplex. <laughs> so the pampas fox, despite being called a fox, is not actually what we think of when we think of like the typical red fox. So the red fox is in the Volpes genus, uh, but this pampas fox is not a quote-unquote true fox. It's in a genus with other South American quote-unquote foxes called uh, Lycaloplex, 
So the genus Canis that includes, you know, our, our dogs also contains coyotes, jackals, wolves. And uh, so hybridization between, say, wolves and dogs or coyotes and wolves, like coy wolves, you know, these are things that while somewhat rare, you know, it kind of makes sense that mm -hmm. it happens because they're in the same family. But having this dog and this pampas fox being able to hybridize after being separated by many millions of years uh, in evolution in two distinct uh, uh, genre, genre <laughs> genuses, whereas like common hybrids like zebras and horses, coyotes, wolves, tigers, lions, grizzly bears, polar bears are all within uh, the same genus. Uh, it, it's it's really weird. It's a super weird thing that people they've found here. Oh, weird. Yeah. yeah. Does that call into question the like the taxonomy that they had done or just like or it's just weird? I mean, that's not that's not a bad uh, question. Like, I, I think that it could lead to some investigation in terms of the relatedness of uh, this uh, like Caloplex uh, genus and uh, Canis. But, you know, it could also just be a really rare weird occurrence right. it could be also one of the theories is that dogs and these pampas foxes are forced into the same areas more so mm -hmm. pampas foxes t habitat being encroached upon by human activity meaning that they have to get closer to dogs and so there's more opportunities for dog and pampas foxes to mate and so like even if you have like a 0.0001% chance of this happening, if you have enough encounters, I guess it could happen. But it is certainly very, very strange. Uh, right. <laughs> but it's, right. Yeah. I guess it's also like there's like biology isn't hard lines, even though that's how we have to talk about it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah right, right, right. It's like eh, probably yeah. not going to happen much. Yeah. Very rarely is there a really hard line in biology there is typically some exceptions uh in mm -hmm. fact like this this intergeneric uh breeding is not completely unheard of so sheep and goats can actually produce jeeps or shoats <laughs> so again very very rare uh but these are uh two species that are in different genera and so even more rare Though, which does very, very infrequently happen, are hybrids from different families of animals. So, like, you know, at least the uh, dogs and pampas foxes are in the same family. Goats and sheep are in the same family. Uh, sometimes, like, animals that are in completely different families uh, just are able to hybridize, which is super weird. Uh, this right. has been seen to happen in chickens and guinea fowl um which is again super weird like typically they die before being born and even if they mm -hmm. manage to hatch they will die young due to genetic problems but it's just it's just a it's something that i guess makes the world feel kind of weird and small because <laughs> <laughs> You know, you have, it's like, wait, completely different animals are not supposed to be able to breed. But, you know, if they're lucky once in a while, they can. Yeah. Well, who knows? Yeah. I mean, it'd be, it'd be like a human and a chimpanzee being able to breed. It's like, you know, the idea of it, it feels unholy. It feels yeah. like something that should, we should be smote by some kind of, uh, evolutionary god but yeah I mean it happens in animals uh, I'm not saying we should try to make it happen I think that's a bad <laughs> idea but yeah but that I, that's the one hybrid I do remember from I assume biology class at somewhere is that it is possible to make a human Z uh, which is probably really pleasant yeah I mean I think it's, it's very unpleasant to think about it's theoretically possible but I don't, I, there has never been a case, a, a real case of it. There was once where it was like some chimpanzee that probably had some kind of genetic abnormality and people were like, oh, maybe oh. that's a humanzee, but no, it was not. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh. 
There are maybe pulse I, of, yeah, maybe I misremember. I think there was like some very strange Russian scientist during the Soviet era who was trying to create humanzies. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I do not think successfully, not successfully. Um, <laughs> but yeah, look at like look at I, I've sent you some pictures of this little this uh, pampas fox dog hybrid. She's yeah. So yeah, I love her. Look at that. Like she's, she's so cute. She's got kind of a black and brown mottled coat and she's just got like a sort of pointier snoot, I guess, a little bit more of a triangular face, pointy ears. She does look like she could definitely just be a strange sort of dog, but she's yeah. a little off. She's a little lankier, a little bit off for a dog. I guess that's true. Dogs are have such variation though. You know, like, true. Mm. I I would not Yes, that this is a hybrid by right. any by any stretch. I was like, I don't know. There's all kinds of dogs. So there could be. I mean, there could be more of them, right? Like you see a stray dog in a country where there's a ton of stray dogs, and it's a little weird, a little pointy, and you're like, eh, it's just like a sort of angular right. stray dog, right? Like, it's, right? Like how would you, how could yeah. you for sure know without <laughs> testing? I suppose right, and you don't go around testing every dog, every stray dog you find. I mean, it's a not miracle they even not anymore. Not since uh, the restraining <laughs> not, order. Not since the incident. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like if they hadn't, like, I mean, if this dog hadn't been hit by a car, and if they didn't go, like, well, too bad, so sad, and didn't take it in to the vet, like we wouldn't have known. So it's just, yeah, just the ch- the chance of this happening is what bewilders me. Is like it is such a tiny chance that this hybrid would happen and that we'd find it and that we'd test for it and it'd survive this getting hit by a car. It's just so many things had to align for this to happen. Or maybe these hybrids are happening all the time, but we're just not recording them. Yeah. Well, that, that I guess is the thing, right? Because it is like, how often would you even bother testing? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Just like, it's really interesting following a dog around with like a mouth swab or a syringe you know we don't yeah uh, i mean it's like again yeah they don't let me do that anymore no not anymore not anymore whatever (laughs) well we're gonna take a quick break and when we get back we're gonna talk about some more good doggies who do a good job good doggy a good job can peanut (laughs) hear me Peanut, you're a good doggy. No, I have I have uh, headphones in, but uh, yeah. Peanut just particularly just doesn't give a shit <laughs> about anything. So she's she's gonna stay asleep, I think. Yeah, Cookies uh, gives very much a crap about everything at all times, <laughs> which you know is great. I love That's it. That's the best. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not tired at all. All right, we will be right back. <laughs> Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. 
You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Okay, we are back and we are talking about dogs who are amazing and good and so wonderful and I love them, love them so much. <laughs> so I have talked about how dogs have incredible noses. Their sense of smell is something that is hard for the human mind to conceive. They have such sensitivity and c- complexity of their senses, their smelling senses I really think that for a dog, smelling things is as rich and deep an experience as like seeing things or hearing things is for a human. Uh, like like reading a book for a human for a dog is like smelling another dog's butt. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just like I I am reading your Facebook profile, except it is your <laughs> anal glands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it is certainly most. Most people are not like that, but not all people are not not like that. Yes, that makes sense. I feel like this restraining order is making more and more sense. But um, Mm -hmm. so Peanut, your dog, does she like to smell things? She does. She just this we just before we started recording, she like went outside and uh, just not even smell. This is also just so gross. But she was like really going to town on uh, a corner of a sidewalk, which I assume was where someone had peed and then just took like a little teeny tiny lick. And I was like, Oh my God, that's so gross. Sometimes you got to taste the stain. Sometimes (laughs) there's a mystery stain and you got to taste it. Yeah. Always taste it. So (laughs) dogs uh, have this wonderful, uh, extraordinary sense. And they are also amazing animals that have co-evolved with us. And for whatever reason, want to please us. So, uh, with these powers combined, we can uh, teach dogs how to be super dogs who can use their sense of smell to do amazing things. Not for searching for drugs, because that's BS. And I <laughs> do not like the use of dogs as like uh, police sniffer dogs. That is all totally bunk or not. It's not totally bunk. They can smell drugs and stuff, but they're also so sensitive to their handlers that they give so many like false signals because they're like, oh, you want me to say there's drugs here? Okay, there's drugs here. Uh, So yeah, so not not so much a fan of that. But what I am a fan of is using dog smells to save the environment. So (laughs) there are dogs that have been trained how to help uh, sea turtles. So sea turtle populations are vulnerable. And so conservationists often inspect the beaches where sea turtles lay their eggs to protect them from poachers, both animal poachers and humans. So they want to protect them from scavengers. Uh, I know it's like one of those things where we're tipping the scales sometimes because scavengers want to eat food and, right. you know, why, but you know, it, it, it's kind of, we've already sort of uh, messed the balance up enough that we try to maintain these sea turtle populations. So, you know, lesser of two evils, perhaps, Um, but you know, it's also to protect them from human poachers. So in Southeastern U.S., uh, there are a ton of sea turtles that come to the beaches, including loggerheads, Kemp's Ridley's, 
green sea turtles and leatherbacks, they gather on beaches at night at a certain time of year uh, to lay their eggs in nests. And what a nest is, is basically they dig a hole, they plonk out these little golf ball-like eggs, cover the hole, and leave. Parenting. Easy. (laughs) Yeah, that's the ideal. You just kind of like put them in a hole. And that's that. And then you've done your job. You cover them in sand and then you leave because that is, you know, it builds character for the for the children. (laughs) So um, conservationists then have a hard time finding these sea turtle nests because it's buried in the sand. It's like buried treasure. Also, sea turtles will sometimes go like they might make tracks, but sometimes they'll go try to lay eggs and nothing comes out. And then they just go back to the sea so that you could dig where you see tracks and there's nothing there. So um, it's also kind of a a time sensitive thing. You want to like find where these nests are and observe them and make sure to protect these areas uh, before, uh, you know, uh, time runs out. And so they have trained some dogs to smell cloacal mucus, which is is doesn't that sound lovely? Yeah, I mean, look, it's not worse than any other thing my dog likes. Yeah. Man, like, again, I love that dogs love stinky, heinous, disgusting things. And we're like, you know what? That's yeah. that's an employable skill right there. So <laughs> next time your dog <laughs> smells like some pile of goo on the ground and you don't want to know what it is, just remember, there are dogs out there that use that skill to uh, find cloacal mucus and save the turtles. So, uh, <laughs> I'm loving it. So there are some professional sea turtle egg sniffers. There is Dory, a Florida mutt, who is uh, who was rescued from the side of the road in Florida, and Captain Ron, who is a beagle, uh, who's apparently also a captain. Uh, they were both trained by dog behavioral expert Pepe Perullero to detect uh, these eggs, and they have been tested, and they uh, can be more accurate and more efficient in certain circumstances at detecting sea turtle nests than humans. So essentially, the dogs are after our jobs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Now I'm anti-dog, I guess. Right. Boy, a lot of... A lot of triangulation here. Yeah, I mean, you know, we were worried about a atom- uh, what is it, automation and the robots taking mm-hmm. our jobs, but it was dogs, dogs the whole time. They're gonna take our jobs, uh, <laughs> and then you're just gonna, you know, gonna try to go to McDonald's and there's a dog with its, you know, giving you Wait. a burger. And now I'm not. Now I'm pro dog t- taking our job. God, there's a lot to think. Of. I you know, feel that's the like thing. yeah. It's- it's a complex issue. Right. <laughs> I mean, if you don't mind, like, if they get a little bit of, like, slobber in your fries, you know? Yep. Right? Oh, the evidence suggests I don't mind, given how I live my life, so. Like, and they're, you know, if you think they're only coming after uh, service jobs, they're probably going to start a podcast, too. So I'm going to be out of a job, because who would... <laughs> Who wouldn't rather listen to a dog than to me? Like, honestly. Oh, man. Do they make dog podcasts? I guess they make something. They must, right? There must just be a podcast that's like just a dog sort of breathing. I guess guess there's those like, I mean, I think spam YouTube channels that are just like four hours of a squirrel. Right. Yeah. Is there like dog ASMR that's just the sound of hot dog breath? Uh, stinky. I think stinky there, dog breath. there has to be just because it's like, what? Not right. It's there's ASMR of everything, and there's podcasts yeah. of everything. Um, maybe yeah. maybe Cookie and Peanut should start their own podcast where it's just kind of mouth sounds, you know, licking sounds, uh, or just dumb, dumb, weird humans. You know, right? Just other weird, like oh. Is wouldn't even let me lick any pee. Right. What an asshole. Yeah, exactly. Complaining about owners. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so it's happening. The, the dogs will take all of our jobs. 
But, you know, apparently dogs and conservationists can work together, uh, such as the case with sniffing out invasive species. So in Alberta, Canada, trained dogs uh, such as uh, Hilo, the black Labrador, uh, checks the holes of boats for invasive mussels and sniffs mm. out invasive boar turds, which is just like that must be candy to dogs like boar turds. Are you kidding me? Um, and they also uh, can detect the aroma of invasive plants. So it is a really important job because, for instance, an invasive mussel, the bivalves that can uh, cling to things, uh, it can be this, the a larva of a mussel can be the size of a grain of rice. Uh, so visually, it might be really hard to see, but having the dog's keen nose uh, can help spot these really tiny mussels, and that can prevent invasive mussels from uh, causing mayhem in the local waterways, which is really dangerous for the local ecosystems. It also costs a lot of money. So humans will be looking at the same boat and visually looking for anything while the dog is sniffing out anything. So they're working together. You know, humans have really good vision and dogs have really good sense of smell, and we're combining those to be the ultimate uh, kind of unit. Yeah. That, well, yeah. And it is like, how good are the, your eyes really compared to, I mean, yeah, like finding, especially finding a little, a little, uh, muscle. It seems like nose is by far the best way to go. I might even have to use my nose like, given <laughs> the senses I have available. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, human beings, like in general, our eyesight and our color kind of spectrum, while not the best in the animal kingdom, it's pretty good. Uh, like we have a wider range of colors than, that we can see than dogs. And so we our visual system in terms of detail is probably um, better than a dog. But, you know, dog's sense of smell is like ridiculously better than a human sense of smell. So it is I just think it's kind of cute that we have like us and wolves were like, hey, we have different skills here that we're going to share. Mm -hmm. um, OK, fine. You can breed us to look really cute. But uh, <laughs> essentially, like, you know, we bring the nose. We're the nose of the operation and you're the eyes and hands of mm -hmm. the operation because those opposable thumbs give really good yeah. butt scratches. And then yeah. just thumbs, go, yeah. thumbs is key. Thumbs is thumbs is the one thing. Right. Like when my dog is feeling a little smug, I'm just like thumbs, dude. You, how are you going to open up your bag of dog food without these babies? It's true. It's true. Peanut actually is like also like uh, I, I was uh, watching my friend's dog and I kind of forgot because they were about the same size. But this other dog was much, uh, much more of a go getter. And I didn't realize I had to like quite hide the treat bag the way I ultimately needed to because it was like, oh, like a dog with wherewithal will just open the right. out of right. Right. <laughs> With their mouth. Yeah. Whenever my was a mess. when my dog has never quite figured out how to open the treats bag so she can seize uh -huh. the means of production, but then she doesn't mm -hmm. know what to do with it once she yeah. seized it. So like she has it and she, you can tell she feels <laughs> the power and the autonomy of being able to treat herself. But then that final step of opening it up, she is befuddled. Well, yeah, this one in particular was more of a brute force sort of situation. Yeah, sort of tearing it open. Powered through it. Yeah. Yeah. Cookie, I should mention, is a small dog. Um, <laughs> she is she is little, and though she is fierce, uh, she does not have much in terms of raw power. So she right. has to uh, uh, invent other ways to terrorize me. Including yeah. stealing my socks. Holding things hostage is kind of her technique. Like my socks. Right. Documents. She knows she can hear the printer and she will run over and grab documents right out of the printer because she knows those are important that's, and I want them. Oh my God, that's so cute. Yeah. She's my that's wild. malicious secretary. <laughs> and you have a printer. I haven't seen one of those in years. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a relic of the past, uh, <laughs> and I'm I've I've have a blood pact for all of the printer ink, so I got to make use. Of oh it. yeah, Cut. It's time to start making your own. Five thousand dollars a month for that pl printer ink. Oh god. 
Well, we are going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about some rad dogs, as in they are radioactive. We will be right back. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. So, Andrew, do you know about the Chernobyl little uh, oopsie-doopsie that happened over there? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Although, I feel like I'm not as up to speed as most people because I didn't uh, watch the uh, show about it, which seems to be the easiest pop cultural way to digest all the information. I didn't watch the show either because I've I have read a lot about the Chernobyl a disaster and I didn't want to watch it because <laughs> it's depressing and also yeah. there's details that I think the show might get into in terms of just like when you're exposed to a huge amount of radiation even if you don't die immediately like almost it's better if you die immediately because uh, the, the days and weeks of dying of radiation poisoning were like your skin falls off and your hair and teeth just like fall out and just your body is essentially right. disintegrating. It's like truly horrific. I, you know, do not recommend uh, reading about it. All right. If you're, oh. if you like to sleep. Well, no, I also don't recommend <laughs> getting it. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, all right. You know, if you, if you Ooh, have it. Yeah, I know. I know, I know. I right, like, you know, the nanny state coming in telling me what I can and can't do with my DNA strands. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or whatever's left. Yeah. So, yeah, like the Chernobyl exclusion zone, uh, it uh, was, you know, for a good amount of time abandoned by humans. 
um, because of the deadly, deadly radiation after the reactor meltdown that it did kill people and it was horrible, horrifying. Also really sad, like when people had to up and abandon their homes, they often had to leave their dogs behind. And a lot of the dogs were killed by authorities because there was fears that they would spread disease or nuclear contamination because, you know, the dogs were irradiated. But enough of the dogs survived that they created a population of hundreds of feral uh, but friendly dogs who uh, are just still hanging out in the Chernobyl exclusion zone. And so, like, the difference between, like, a wild animal and a feral animal is feral animals are domesticated animals that have, you know, just do not have any owners and are out and about mm. making it on their own. Whereas a wild animal is has not been domesticated. Like, a wolf uh, is going to act very differently from a feral dog uh, because the feral dog is generally going to be a lot friendlier. Uh, not right. always. So don't go and, like, always, you know immediately put Mm -hmm. your face up to the mouth of a feral dog that might not be a good idea but often feral dogs are pretty friendly and these ones definitely like are are relatively friendly they uh will accept handouts from uh humans like there are people now in the chernobyl exclusion zone which is wild to me but they do have to like uh actually take care of the reactor because there's still like active uh reactors there and if you don't maintain it it, it's a problem yeah 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 oh that's so wait okay so the difference wild and feral refers to individual organisms or no whole species so okay i see i see right 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 so So it is it is dogs the species have been domesticated yes but these I, i got it okay so it's not it's not like a formerly owned right dog. no like, got it you can't okay. undomesticate a dog unless i guess it is it's like bred with wolf populations or something for years or if there's like some kind of like uh i guess in theory you could have a wild population or a feral population of dogs that genetically stray far enough from domesticated dogs that it forms like a right. new species right, um, right, right but generally speaking yeah if if it, it's a like if you have a chicken and it escapes and it lives in the forest and becomes the king chicken of the forest, like it's still a domesticated chicken. It's just answered the call mm-hmm. of the wild and it's a feral chicken. And the, that chicken's offspring, even if, assuming it's with another yeah. chicken, even if it, they've never been in a coop, yes. they're still domesticated. Still domesticated because domestication is a genetic process. Taming. Right is a behavioral process. So a tame wolf Uh, is a wolf who has been, you know, raised since a puppy. You tamed it, you trained it, and then it ate your face one time. But like, you Mm -hmm. know, overall, it's still pretty a a good wolf uh, other than that pinky it got. So that's a a tame animal. A domesticated animal is like, uh, you know, a chicken or a floppy or bunny or, you know, a cow like something something that has been mostly bred but yes or whatever to need to coexist with humans yes that we have we have uh tinkered around with its dna so it doesn't want to kill us you're right or it's not afraid of us yeah exactly so these dogs are they are domesticated dogs they are just a feral population of domesticated dogs but it's an interesting situation because there is some interaction between these dogs and human beings in the area like i said like people still have to be in the exclusion zone because they have to maintain the power plant uh which was wild to me i was like how i mean obviously the radiation levels have diminished substantially since the uh, reactor meltdown uh, that happened. What was that? The eighties? Yeah, and like the seventies. Like, Listen, we could have watched the show. It's, history, it's all in history. there. History, Chernobyl. I believe it's the eighties. Disas- disaster. Uh, yeah, nineteen eighty-six. Uh, wow. For once in my life, I remembered a history fact. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the um, uh, there's like actually a nonprofit organization called the Clean Futures Fund 
which has set out to offer medical care and support to the employees who work in the power plant, like maintaining it, you know, because you have to have a whole whole crew of employees there, people who are actually maintaining the plant, janitors, people who serve food, everyone. And they actually have to work in shifts so that they don't get overly exposed to the still present radiation. So like they'll do like a couple weeks on, a couple weeks off so that they don't, uh, you know, get overly exposed. But obviously right. still like the, there is a concern about their health. Uh, so there's this organization, nonprofit. And then they were like, hey, it's interesting. There's all these dogs around. And uh, they noticed that like, some of these dogs seem to need medical care. So they also started offering the dogs vaccines, spaying and neutering the dogs, taking blood samples, generally just kind of trying to take care of these dogs. Uh, again, they're still feral dogs. Like they're not, you know, I, I, as far as I know, they're not being adopted partially because they're like irradiated, but uh, right. they um, are being somewhat looked after now. And this has presented researchers with a very tantalizing opportunity, which is looking at these dogs' uh, genetic makeups and seeing how uh, the exposure to radiation over many generations of these dogs has impacted them. So uh, it turns out there are actually two distinct populations of these Chernobyl dogs. There are dogs who live like right near the power plant. They're like within this sort of fenced area that is the power plant. And then there are a separate population of dogs who live in Chernobyl City, which is kind of like outside of the power plant, still kind of in the exclusion zone. But interestingly, these dogs don't seem to breed with each other that much. The the power plant dogs and the Chernobyl City dogs, uh, not because of some like uh, what is it like uh, Romeo and Juliet <laughs> blood feud, <laughs> but because there's like fencing that seems to limit their ability oh, sure. to interact. So um, that's that's a blood feud. It's a, a human <laughs> fence. I'm just thinking of like and like Lady in the that, Tramp, but it's yeah, like they are irradiated counts. and you know slightly glowing. Uh, they don't glow, <laughs> which is too bad. But. Um, so, uh, but that's also really interesting because now you have two populations of dogs, some closer to the radiation and some further away that they can study both of these distinct populations. And uh, also they have found that a lot of these dogs have German Shepherd DNA, which is likely because the most popular dog in the area at the time of the meltdown was a German Shepherd. So when they left, uh, there are all these German Shepherds. They were probably also most likely to be the dogs that would survive on their own. Right. So you have yeah. uh, have a high amount of German Shepherd DNA uh, and other European Shepherd DNA in these dogs. They plan to compare the DNA sequences of both of these uh, dog populations, the uh, Chernobyl dogs, with uh, each other and with the DNA of, like, say, German Shepherds, other Shepherds that are not that are not irradiated, that are you know just sort of your standard dogs to see how this radiation has changed the dog's genomes and, like, what is the impact of this low-level constant radiation over many generations of dogs? Has it, like, forced them to evolve in some way? Uh, I don't... They don't have answers yet, but I think this is really interesting and exciting. Yeah. Huh. I mean, right. And it, it's it's just because this, like, cannot really occur. Like, even if, like, there was an animal population near, like, a uranium ore vein or something, it's not like... Yeah, it's not, like, this concentrated. You can't get this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, huh. they, ha they have, like, done research on wild animal populations uh, in this, this area as well, like, looking in how it has affected their... their phenotypic presentation how it's affected their dna like sometimes it has affected say bird coloration because this ends up also impacting how the birds are able to like fight free radicals in their bodies so there's really interesting oh. stuff that goes on here so i'm yeah. really excited to learn more about uh what is going on with these dogs uh, i this is something i will definitely keep my eye on keep people posted but it's also just really cool that there are these like Chernobyl dogs out hanging out uh doing okay I guess like obviously I think it gets tough for them in the winter and so the this nonprofit group is also trying to make sure that they don't overbreed or starve or anything right. but 
Um, it's it's you know it's just like the tenacity of these dogs. Yeah. It's like literally survive a nuclear meltdown and then survive in the wild, and they're all slightly irradiated, but they're still cute and still fluffy. Yeah. Well, and the compound. Oh, the confound is also surely like what the fuck happens when there are humans everywhere <laughs> well no that is you are absolutely right that is a great point because a lot of the animal populations in this area of different species are doing surprisingly well and yeah. the idea is like well wait is low level radiation good for them or is it that there aren't humans around messing with the environment, which actually allows them to thrive? Both things yeah. are, you know, plausible explanations. Like, obviously, radiation, don't go huffing radiation, but there's some idea of, like, a really low-level radiation could do something in terms of, like, your body produces more free radicals, uh, uh, more, mm. more ways to antioxidants to fight free radicals, and therefore that might have a protective effect for other disease or something so it's interesting oh. stuff yeah yeah it's it's an interesting thing again i me and my lawyers cannot emphasize enough don't get yourself irradiated yeah i guess i lean more towards the um humanity is more toxic than radiation i think for that the war for the earth I think it's I think it's almost certain that a lot of the animals doing well in this area are because it's been uh, mostly abandoned by people. I think that yeah. this other effect of radiation maybe having like a, a slightly protective effect may be true of animals living on the fringe, like where they're kind of further away from the radiation. And it, it's it's an interesting idea. Yeah. So it could be a com it could be a combo. Uh, I'm hoping that these dogs uh, do well and that the radiation gave them cool powers. I know that's not how it works, but sometimes, you know, I can dream that, like, mm -hmm. we'll get some psychic dogs out of the deal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or, or just very bright dogs. Right, right. Just, like, highly intelligent, irradiated dogs who know nuclear secrets. What could go mm -hmm. wrong? I guess that's true. They yeah. can't do anything about it. No thumbs. Yeah. <laughs> no thumbs. That's right, baby. <laughs> you wanna you wanna turn the key to start a nuclear war? Where's your thumbs? I don't Tough see them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would actually feel safer if dogs were in, in charge of nuclear weapons. <laughs> I don't think they'd ever use them because they're good. Because dogs are good boys and girls. I don't know. PETA feels like she would sell out the earth for just a few <laughs> few treats. Okay, and end them. Uh, only dogs excluding chihuahuas and Pomeranians. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my dog is probably a combination of chihuahua and Pomeranian, so she uh, is not allowed to be in charge of the nuclear codes. Because she would just, like, if she's not getting enough belly scratches, she would threaten nuclear yeah. war. Yeah. I, it's, it feels very likely. Yeah, as it stands now, she just kicks me until I pet her. But uh, yeah, if she had mutually assured destruction, if like the belly rubs do not continue, I'd be a bad yeah. situation. Yeah. In a heartbeat. <laughs> All right. Before we go, we got to play a little game called the Mystery Animal Sound Game. Every yes. week, I play a Mystery Animal Sound, and you, the listener, and you, the guest, try to guess who is making that sound. It can be any animal in the world. Uh, last week's hint was this. When he's crabby, he is happy. Hmm. All right. Did you hear that little yelp? Yeah. I'm trying to think. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with an otter. Interesting guess. I mean, I okay, this is very interesting because, like, you're close in terms of its diet, but not the animal. <laughs> so this is the crab-eating fox. So oh. congratulations to Robert S., who guessed correctly. Remember how we talked about the pampas fox earlier? Yeah. So this is in the same genus as the pampas fox. This is not a true fox, but a South American uh, canid in the genus uh, I can never say this good, like like Aloplex. So crab-eating foxes look similar to a fox. They're gray. They have a fox-like snout, little fluffy tail. 
Uh, they only get up to around 15 pounds, which is about 7 kilograms. Uh, but it's more closely related to a rare canid called the short-eared dog, which lives in the Amazon, than it is to any kind of red fox. So the crab-eating fox, as its name suggests, eats crabs. They hunt in monogamous pairs, and when they get separated, they will call out for each other, like these little these little yelps. Uh, they make other sounds, too. I had a dickens of a time trying to find any any audio online of this uh the crab eating fox making sound they are typically quite quiet uh so i just found this on a random facebook page of a random like uh organization that uh studies animals uh and it was all in spanish so it was a little tricky for me to figure it out but i found it so there you go that's what it sounds like that's the best <laughs> plus Love, love, uh, love to eat a crab. So yes. highly relatable. Right, I know, right? Like, man, these fox delicious. Uh, I did watch. I watched a YouTube video recently of a stingray eating a king crab, and it was mm, wild. Nice. I, yeah, man. Some, some. Uh, just I, I don't know why, but when animals eat seafood, it makes me hungry. Like seeing a lion yeah. deep in like <laughs> an antelope carcass does nothing for me. But if I, when a bear like is just chowing down on a salmon, I'm like, that's essentially sushi. Yeah. Delicious. Delicious. Uh, the crab eating fox does indeed eat crabs uh, and it will eat um, also rodents, small reptiles, insects, eggs, fruit, and more. It'll pretty much eat anything, but it does specialize in eating crabs, which, man, I feel like I would invite this fox to a crab, yeah, a crab, a crab so boil. Good. Yeah, mm. they're very cute. All right, on to this week's mystery animal sound. The hint, this baby has one of the longest snoots, but definitely don't boop. <laughs> All right, did you hear that weird little sound? Mm-hmm. Uh, got any guesses? Long snoot. Okay, okay. Um, I guess that like a like a anteater sort of deal. That is an excellent guess. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you if you're right or not. We will find out okay. next yeah. time on Creature Feature. If you think you know what is making that sound, write to me at creaturefeaturepod at gmail.com. Uh, you can also write to me your questions, your photos of your pet dog or cat mm-hmm. or gerbil. Um, no pictures of pet bunnies. I'm joking. Send those too. Send all of them. Uh, Andrew T., thank you so much for joining me today. Can you tell the people where to find you? Sure. Uh, yeah, just um, on uh, my podcast is called Yosis Racist. Uh, it's not very much like this, but it's mostly just take an advice show. People call it, eh, you know, it's, it's uh, silly as it can be. <laughs> Like man, if you like animals, you should like people too. So yeah, that's, that's maybe my... there's that. Yeah, yeah, there you go, and fun. And and Peanut the dog is a frequent guest. So there you go. See, that. Peanut's yeah. got uh, some problematic opinions, but you know. Oh my God! Yeah, she's the worst. <laughs> I'll straighten her out one day. <laughs> Well, thank you guys so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, uh, you can leave a rating or review. I read every single one of the reviews. I print them all out. I turn them into a giant paper mache statue that I call my ego. And thanks to the Space Cossacks for their super awesome song, Exo Lumina. Creature Feature is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Yeah. I'm going to actually redo that so that you can understand what I'm saying. Sure. Or hey, guess what? Wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next Wednesday. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 
2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance... Stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.